Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode number three of the Sports and More podcast with Eddie Morelos and producer Asa Costa. Uh, we are here in downtown El Paso at the Downtown Spaces located at 522 West San Francisco. And again, if you need anything as far as office space, uh, internet usage, uh, things like that. Come over to the downtown spaces here in El Paso, Texas at 522 West San Francisco. Uh, Andy, anything to add about the downtown spaces? This is a great spot. Uh, I love coming down here. Uh, look out for some networking events coming soon. And uh, um, uh, we had a panel discussion uh, the previous week about COVID-19, which you were actually a, a, a panelist on there. Um, so stay tuned. And if you need a uh, host an event as well um give us a, a shout out and we can work with your event and and come check it out and that's the kind of venue it is we uh i was a part of a panel to talk about uh, covid19 and business and how uh, businesses are are handling and and adjusting to the covid19 situation uh it was a really nice setup uh with the you know there was people here in the in attendance as well as uh the the panelists so a uh, great venue uh, like I said, downtown spaces, 522 West San Francisco. Uh, Andy, we had a lot of sports again this past weekend on TV. A uh, lot. Yes, we did. So uh, let's, let's get to that and, and chit-chat a little bit about what went on. Uh, you know, of course, Sunday, NFL Sunday. Oh, we're, 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 we, we skipped a day. We skipped a day. Saturday. What happened oh, Saturday? Oh, yeah. Happened no, Saturday? We'll, go, we'll, go, we'll go to Saturday first. We'll, we'll go, we'll go Saturday. chronologically. My bad. My bad. We'll go chronologically. So uh, on Saturday, uh, I know, again, once again, I got to work the game, and I'm very grateful to be working college football games right now. Um, and you were there as well, although we didn't see each other. Oh, you can see uh, us. You didn't, want to make the, <laughs> you didn't want to make the trek all the way up the hill like that's, I did. That's a lot of uh, stuff. But I was in the press box uh, over at the UTEP Miners football game where uh, they picked up their second victory of the season. They are now 2-1 and one after defeating Abilene Christian University. I believe the score final score was 7 1713 17, 17, yep i think second time they won two straight at home in i don't know maybe six eight years six years i, I thought i saw <laughs> a note of uh this is the first time they've had a winning season a winning record since 2016 so shout out to the miners they're still picking them them w's a w is a w Yes, sir, it is. I agree with you 100%. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of naysayers on uh, the post-game uh, post show that uh, our buddy Adrian puts on. And uh, it's like I mentioned, you know, this coming week is really going to show what the Miners are all about when they take on uh, uh, Louisiana Monroe uh, on the road. And uh, Monroe is basically at the same level as the Miners. So we'll definitely see what kind of team the Miners are after this week's play. And good luck to them. Uh, so be on the road. You can listen on the radio. I believe with uh, John Teicher giving the play-by-play -play action, and uh, I believe that airs on uh, 600 ESPN. So okay. shout out to uh, Captain and Adrian. And also on Saturday, uh, you and I didn't get to go to this, but we're trying to get uh, get somebody from from the locomotive on here to talk about the El Paso locomotive. FC and uh, that is the local soccer team here and uh, I believe they won five straight Andy five straight they clinched the playoffs they're going to the playoffs you know not like a, what was it Corch Mora playoffs playoffs yes they're going to the playoffs <laughs> they have clinched 
So again, uh, and the the cool thing is that um, the El Paso locomotive have have allowed uh, some fans in in the the last two mm-hmm. two matches. Uh, so there's uh, live live sports going on again, and uh, fans are being able to attend not only the minors football game but the the locomotive. So. We're very thankful for that. It's good, good to them. They they're they're on the momentum, knocking off some of the top teams, and uh, you know there's still a chance that they can uh, clinch that division going into the, to the postseason. So be on the lookout for that. You know, stay tuned. And again, st- uh, sticking on Saturdays, since Andy wants to stay chronological, we got to talk a little bit more about college football. Uh, of course, as many of you know, I am the media relations director for the Sun Bowl Association, and we put on the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, which will be on December the 31st here in El Paso, Texas at noon. Um, and uh, one of the, the conferences that plays in our game is uh, the ACC. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, out of the ACC is the number one team in the nation, Clemson. Clemson and uh, they picked up another uh, win. Uh, they beat, <laughs> I think it was Citadel. Uh, <laughs> so they won, like, I want to say, like, 49-0 or something like that. Citadel but, uh, got they, that money. <laughs> yeah, they, they got the money. So uh, um, it was another uh, eventful weekend in college sports. Um, again, I, I mentioned that because... Uh, the ACC is is a part of our our contract uh, teams that come and play in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. And uh, again, I want to mention that we are hosting uh, this year. We are planning for that, uh, so you can get your tickets by going to sunbowl.org or by calling nine one five five three three four four one six. And that bowl game again is here in El Paso, Texas, in, in uh, at the end of December. So uh, hopefully uh, you guys can get your tickets early and uh, don't miss out on on a great opportunity there. And now we're going to Sunday. <laughs> Sunday, 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 Sunday. You know, on on uh, on Sunday, uh, I woke up very early. Actually, I didn't really sleep very well after. I, I usually don't sleep very well, Andy, after working sporting events. Really? Uh, it's it's and it's been going on like this for years and years. Uh, so um, I got home and I crashed out, but I woke up right away, and I woke up at like three in the morning and I could not go back to sleep. So about four in the morning, I decided to turn the TV on and there was already a live soccer going on. Uh, sports, sports, sports. Yeah. Yeah. So I, was, I started watching uh, uh, premier league soccer at four in the morning and then I fell asleep at some point. Uh, my cousin was uh, texting me cause I don't know why he was awake, but he's like, I'm going to pray for you cause you're watching soccer at this time. And, uh, I guess his prayers work cause I, I finally got a little bit of sleep and then I woke up and, and started watching uh, some baseball actually on Sunday. Uh, before I ever got to any NFL football, but that's, that's my preference. And, uh, uh, the Bears, I'm a Bears fan, and the Bears are, are 2-0 and after getting a couple of wins. Uh, how, how did your team do this week, Andy? Oh, the Steelers. You know, they, they went up there to Mile High and uh, uh, got that victory over over the Broncos. Uh, shout out poor Broncos. I think they had a couple quarterbacks get injured, but, you know, hopefully they can heal up. And uh, But now no, uh, Ben's coming back, and, you know, my Steelers are – watch out. Watch out. We got to watch out for the Ravens, but, you know – we're driving for seven, you know. Yeah, the Ravens are looking pretty darn good right now. Um, you know, uh, last week's guest, Miss um, Jessica Lavarius, is a big Cowboys fan, and uh, you know that I caught the end of the last quarter of that game. I won't lie, uh, I caught the end of it, and I turned it on basically because the Falcons were winning. 
And I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to watch a, a, a Dallas Cowboys uh, loss here. And what a what a great ending to that game. <laughs> I heard the Falcons were socially distancing on that onside kick. That's, that's all I got to say. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the heck they were thinking, what the heck that player was thinking that they didn't know the rules of the game or what it was. He but needed a Snickers bar, right? He needed a Snickers bar right there. <laughs> something. He needed, he needed my mug of coffee or I don't know what he needed. He needed to wake up, but. Uh, Cowboys got the win, uh, as we know here in El Paso, Texas. We heard about uh, it. <laughs> you'll definitely hear about it here. Shout out to and the Cowboys we'll continue, fans. We'll, we'll definitely continue to hear about it the rest of the week. I, I was uh, keeping up with Jess Nevarez uh, on on Twitter, and she was beyond ecstatic. Uh, so shout out to her and congratulations to her Cowboys, and uh, uh, they are one and one now. So we'll we'll see how that goes from here on out. Dak Prescott, he did pretty darn well. Uh, he's showing the leader that he is, even uh, with going through what he's gone through. All right. Now, what about our boy? Oh, I was wondering if you were going to bring that up, and you even wore your your shirt to represent him, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. El Paso himself, Aaron Jones, representing Showtime. as he does uh, whenever he scores a touchdown. Many times he'll do it, throw up the nine one five. How how cool is that as a local El Paso, a native of El Paso, Andy? When uh, you see Aaron Jones score that touchdown and he throws up the nine one five. Oh, you know it's it's he's representing. I mean, a lot of them do and and since the platform that he has it's just so cool to see him you know succeed because you know it makes the whole city proud and then seeing you know knowing him and seeing all the hard work he's done and we've seen it before you know we see him do those those same runs you know when he was here at utep you know so we know but now now the nation and the world's recognizing you know all the fantasy owners that had him on the bench are you know hitting their heads against the wall but like i said he's doing great you know he's in a in a good position and Watch out for them, you know. The Aaron and Aaron, that's a, a killer combination right there. Like I said, it's it's let's see how they do. I mean, but it's it's super cool whenever you hear other people that are not from El Paso uh, talk about Aaron Jones and how good of a player he is. And they don't even realize when they're talking about him that he's from El Paso. And you're like, Oh yeah, hey, did you know he's from El Paso? And they're like, What? No way. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah. Aaron Jones out of the 915, and I like your shirt, and you're right. You know, I might have to get me one of those. They, they, they have them in orange and blue, okay? They do okay. have them for orange and blue. AaronJones33.com, you know, shout, shout out to Aaron. Like I said, many colors. I mean, you don't have to be a Packers fan, but you can be an Aaron Jones fan. So all you El Paso natives and uh, you Aaron Jones fans and – even Packers fans go to, uh, where did you say the website was uh, to Aaron, get those? I believe it's AaronJones33.com. Cool. So go ahead and get you one. I guess uh, I'm going to be looking to get me the orange and, and blue one that, that mm-hmm. he says is out there. That's and out uh, there. Whenever I do get it, I will uh, wear it on a day, uh, on a tie Tuesday. And uh, No, he can't guys. say tie Tuesday anymore, people. He did his votes and everything, and let's just announce it that it's Taco Tuesday. There's no denying it, Taco Tuesday. But or so, like somebody said they can be Taco Tie Tuesday, but you know, Taco Tuesday. We won. I guess we I'll won. get me a Taco Tie. 
There you and, go. Uh, I'll, I'll wear that next time. So, again, we are the Sports and More podcast with Eddie Morelos, uh, producer Isa Costa here. You can find us on Twitter at Sports and More POD, Sports and More Pod. You can also find us on Facebook at uh, by searching Sports and More Podcast. And we invite all our listeners to shoot us an email, shoot us a message, a tweet, whatever it may be. Uh, give us suggestions about who you want to hear from, what topics you want to know about any questions that you might have about El Paso, Las Cruces, the borderland region, about the events and the sporting events going on here. That's what we're here for. So uh, uh, next up, we're going to bring on uh, two college coaches, uh, New Mexico State volleyball coach Mike Jordan and UTEP Miners volleyball coach Ben Wallace. And welcome back to the Sports and More podcast with Eddie Morelos. And this week, we got two college coaches joining us, uh, college volleyball coaches, and in my eyes, two legends. Legend. I, lo- I love it. Uh, New Mexico State head coach Mike Jordan and UTEP head coach Ben Wallace. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to be here, the mayor. <laughs> Thanks for having us, Mr. Morelos. Thank you guys again for joining us. I'm going to go back and forth, and I'll, and I'll uh, go ahead and point you guys out uh, to whenever I ask you guys a question. Mike, let's go ahead and start with you. Uh, 23 years with New Mexico State. Uh, I remember being there for 10 years. Uh, talk about the journey that, that you've been on over these uh, 23 years. I mean, it's been amazing. Yeah, Eddie, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it hasn't always been fun, but that's college coaching in general, you know. Um I've been very fortunate uh, to work with some great people, uh, Ben included, obviously, and you, um, who made it a, a lot of fun. It's uh, a stressful life, for sure. Um, when I was single, it was a lot easier in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, I had a lot of time to devote to the craft. Um, but I'll tell you, um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I feel sorry for... Uh, those people who have to sit in a cubicle all day long and and do the same thing over and over again. Uh, I think one of the great things about my 23 years now at NMSU is how many different places we've been able to go and how many different people I've been able to meet and work with. And certainly the competitive aspect is a lot of fun. And uh, and all those young women that have played for us, um, it's just uh, it's been a great life. Mike, I just want to go ahead and say thank you for allowing me and, and uh, the honor and, and just giving me the opportunity to be a part of, I'm going to go ahead and say it, I was thinking about it this morning, your family, um, your family as far as your real family and your volleyball family. Uh, I've learned so much over the years about volleyball, in particular whenever we'd go on the road and I was able to pair up with uh, Chris Hurdle and learn just so much volleyball from him, watching video uh in, in the night times or at the hotel rooms. And then I, you know, I was, I was able to see your, your son uh, come into this world and see your son grow and uh, continue to see him grow as a, an awesome baseball player that he really is a uh, little, little Kyle Schwarber. Mm-hmm. I think he is, but again, Mike, thank you so much for it all. It's been a, a great journey. Thank you for the many trips to Hawaii. And, and it's just been so great. Thanks again, Mike. I really appreciate that. Oh, Eddie, appreciate you, man. You're one of the best of all time. 
Thanks, Mike. Ben, let's go to you. Uh, congratulations, first of all, on, on on your first year. I believe it was your first first full year as a UTEP uh, head coach over here in El Paso, Texas. Uh, I just wish you nothing but uh, continued success. Uh, but before we get to that, I, I believe you guys you already had a, a little bit of a Chuco Town connection uh, with your wife uh, uh, playing for Eastwood, and then you early on in your career coach for a, a team here in the borderland, one of my favorite teams in the borderland, Gadsden. Uh, talk about those quick connections before you ever arrived here. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify too. If you're if you're uh, associating me with the word legend, I think there's an age requirement. Uh, I think you have to be 52 and above in order to be a legend. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Mike just hit that uh, uh, just the other day. So I feel like until I'm 52, you can't call me that, brother. <laughs> well, in my eyes, like I said, I'm going to go ahead and say that you are, man. I <laughs> uh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, you know, my wife played uh, volleyball at Eastwood High School uh, back in the early 2000s. And uh, her older sister, Lacey, at the time Lacey and I played 10 years earlier than her there and was actually – uh, you know, that, that, that volleyball connection at Eastwood High School was really strong and a rich history for a lot of years under Duke Hartfield. And, uh, and then I did coach first. My first uh, high school, paid high school coaching job was at Franklin High School. Um, and I coached with the legend, the actual legend, uh, Flo Valdez, uh, for two, two seasons. At Eris Michael probably remember, um, and I knew nothing about what I was doing, and I surely thought I did. So since uh, since those days, I've learned a lot from a lot of good people, and and surrounded myself with a lot of really good coaches, and uh, I've learned a lot, and I've made a lot of mistakes that have helped me um, just kind of keep moving forward in the career, and and now we're trying to do the same thing at UTEP, turn turn their program into a winner. Well, I, I wish you nothing but continued luck, and I mentioned it before. If you ever need any help uh, typing in some stats, just let me know, and I'll uh, take a cruise over here and uh, get some, get some stats in for you. I love doing stats for volleyball, so um, more than well, more than willing to do that. Uh, let's go ahead and take a step back now that we we learned a little bit about both of you, and let's talk some sports. Um, I, I think both of you guys have been able to watch a little bit of sports with uh, what's going on uh, in our world today. Mike, we'll start with you because you and I have a, a commonality and, and we're both uh, Cubs fans and Bears fans. And uh, we'll go ahead and start with baseball first. Mike, what you think about the Cubs going on right now? They're, they're a t uh, number two in the NL and uh, leading their division. What do you think? Well, you know, again, lifelong Cub fan, and has been pointed out, I've been on the earth for quite a while now. I've seen <laughs> the tragedy, and I remember all the years where they were, you know, the slogan was wait till next year, right, for the longest time. Hell, it was painted on the outside of Wrigley Field for uh, quite a while. They were so bad. But uh, obviously, you know, the, the last decade has been a lot better to us as Cub fans. Uh, we're a little greedy now that we won the World Series. I think everybody sort of expects with that core group that they'll get back to the World Series. Uh, I am hopeful, obviously, but uh, as a Cub fan, I'm also uh, a little bit nervous from some, some of the things I see uh, with the way they're playing here down the stretch and the offense not being so hot. But uh, it's still it's an exciting time as it gets down to the end here, playoff time. 
uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch them go in the playoffs. You know, I got to share a story, Mike. Uh, one year we were, we went down to Champaign, Illinois, uh, to go play over there. I believe it was a tournament. And, uh, again, I traveled all over the country with you guys, uh, with New Mexico state. And, uh, I was grateful. I'm grateful to work for a coach like you, uh, who understands that there's just more to life uh, than just constant working. And uh, you guys uh, went and dropped me off. We had, a, I believe, a dinner over at the Cubby Hole across the street from Wrigley Field. And then you guys took off to Champagne without me. And I was able to stay the night and watch the Cubs game. The uh, the Cubs game and made it down for the for the tournament. We got to work. Uh, but again, it was just an awesome memory that that I got to share with uh, New Mexico State volleyball. And again, thankful f- to get to work with coach is like you who understand that there's more to life yeah you can't pass those opportunities up um i i've been to wrigley many times obviously growing up and stuff and and we try and go back at least every other year and see games and a lot of my friends haven't had that opportunity or at least you know maybe even once or twice they've been there but any opportunity you get to go to Wrigley and watch the ball game, you got to take advantage of it, right? Yes, sir. That was my. That's the only game I've ever been to at Wrigley. So again, uh, thank you very much. And let's go ahead and uh, take it over to Ben, and we'll talk a little bit of NFL right now. Uh, your your Chiefs they won a, a Super Bowl, I believe, recently. Correct? Yeah, I'll tell you what. There's two things that, that I'll that I'll say about that. One, my first year uh, back in New Mexico State in 2013, we flew to. Uh, Kansas City, I'm sorry, Chicago first for a conference match, and then we flew to Kansas City on a Saturday. And Mike and Keith and my wife and I uh, went to a Chiefs game the next day. We played the Raiders, and it was uh, the day that we broke the decibel record in the stadium for the loudest stadium in the world, and they beat the bejesus out of the Raiders. And uh, once again, it was one of those moments on the road where you just had fun. You know, on the, we, it was the four or five of us that stayed uh, back. The rest of the team flew home. We went out to check a – a Chiefs came out in Arrowhead, which is a treat. It really is. It's like going to Wrigley Field, you know. And so that's a memory that I'll always have of uh, of going and, and playing and coaching in New Mexico State. And, and we, I think, if I remember correctly, we may have even wrapped up the regular season conference championship that weekend too. So it was a great weekend, all in all. But yeah, those Chiefs are rolling right now. I'm 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 nervous about Monday because they're playing maybe the best team in football right now, in the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, but I got to take my family out last year, uh, Mayor, to Miami for the Super Bowl, and uh, I took Ben Bow and Berkeley and, and my wife out there, met a couple of lifelong friends out there, and we got to soak it all in with all the Chiefs fans, and somehow we pulled off a victory and had some Mahomes magic, and they're just so much fun to watch right now. Like Mike said, being a lifelong Chiefs fan, there's a lot of pain and agony that has come along with being that, that fan, and so now when we watch them play and they're down, I don't have any worries. I feel like something cool is going to happen and they're going to come back and win like on Sunday against the Chargers. So it's a whole different feel knowing that you got a guy like Mahomes in charge of the ship and he's going to find a way to get a, get a victory a lot. So it's fun being a Chiefs fan right now. Uh, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. And right now it's uh, kind of interesting being a Bears fan. I don't know about you, Mike, but I am not 100% bought in yet because I've been through so much disappointment uh, with the Bears. And, uh, again, uh, it was cool to see Trubisky uh, pull something off in week one. Then we got we got another win in week two, so we're 2-0. and The Bears are 2-0. and uh, What are your thoughts, Mike? Have you watched any uh, of the Bears games yet? Uh, well, I love the defense. Obviously, uh, they're not—they're uh, uh, not the old Singletary and and uh, Dan Hampton days, but 
they're a pretty good defense and Trubisky, you know, he's got the athletic ability. I, I, there's a reason he was drafted as high as he was. I think he just needs success. Like so much in sports is the mental side of it. Right. And if he can just go out and do what he's done a little bit, be efficient and, and, you know, lead some late game drives and, and do some of the things he's done so far, maybe he's going to turn into what they envision him to turn into. And uh, so you got to be patient with people. He's a young guy and, and, um, uh, there's no better option so right now, so they better just uh, bring him along. And and uh, so far, I like what I see. Well, hopefully they they keep it up, and uh, I won't. We won't be too disappointed this year, and maybe we'll make it to uh, to the playoffs and deep in the playoffs. And who knows? Maybe it'll be the Chiefs and the Bears in the Super Bowl, and we'll have a a nice shindig down here in the Borderland region and do it up. Big time. Over well, here, so. It is 2020, so anything's possible. Anything so. is possible, yes. <laughs> if the world is ending, then it is possible. That's true, yeah. There you go. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about volleyball. I want to go ahead and start with uh, Coach Wallace. Uh, ben, you guys actually uh, were able to play an exhibition uh, recently against, I believe it was against North Texas. Uh, Texas if State, I, if right? I, uh, if I'm not mistaken, or, or was it Texas State? Either, either way, can you tell us about that and uh, what you learned about, uh, first of all, about your team on the court and then secondly what you're learning about you know what this could be like in the future due to covid and stuff like that yeah eddie it's a mess man uh, the one thing i will say about the state that we're in right now in the world of collegiate athletics is that it's not something we can do to sit back on our hands and kind of wait and see what happens we've got to try to move forward and figure out what life is going to be like in this setting and so I'm really thankful that my administration and Jim uh, Center, my, my athletic director, and Heather Wilson, our president, were able to have sort of a progressive view on what we're doing and allow for us to go because not many people are. I mean, there's there are people in other cities and states and conferences that are not allowed to do things right now. And so for, for us to be able to have the opportunity to compete in an exhibition style or scrimmage style of setting is really so important for our players somebody i was on an interview last night with a young lady from texas state she was a journalist journalism major doing like a, a master's thesis and she said i just i recognized there was a lot of joy on your players faces while you guys were playing out there in in san marcos and i just wanted to kind of figure out what life is like for you guys in the COVID setting and i said honestly the most important thing for me in the fall being shut down and moving our conference season to the spring was that we get our players an opportunity to play you know, Mike's team and my team have not touched the volleyball competitively uh, since November of last year. And so in some ways, it'll be over a year for college athletes that, that, are, that, are, that are a lot of their joy in life comes from competing and playing and winning and losing. And so for us to get a chance to compete against Texas State in San Marcos on Friday night on ESPN was just awesome for our players. The atmosphere was really good. There were fans in the stands, which – not even NFL teams have fans right now sometimes. So uh, then to turn around on Saturday and play uh, again against a, a top 50 program who's won the Sun Belt back-to-back years uh, and brings back a lot of veterans. I learned a lot about my team. I learned that we're much more competitive this year. We have a lot better idea of what we're trying to get done. We've, we've uh, added some veterans and also some young people that are athletic and can help us win. And it's going to be an exciting year for the for the UTEP Miners as long as you stay healthy and we keep moving forward and, and the coaching staff finds a way to get out of the way. 
And Mike, uh, it's kind of been, uh, I don't know if I want to say opposite, but it's been a little bit different for you where you haven't been able to have any uh, exhibitions and travel and, and compete. And I know definitely for you, uh, being, your, being around you uh, for so long, uh, competing and competing at a high level is very important for you, uh, for your team to get better. So talk about, the, I guess, the challenges and, and what it's been like for your team. It is, Eddie. It's it's important to us. It's been awkward, uh, is the word I've used. I, you know, when we start practice in August, you're used to within three weeks playing your first match. So you're ramped up and and you're going a million miles an hour. And uh, we've had to step back. Obviously, we won't play until January, late January. It looks like at this point, uh, a real match and. Uh, so now we're in this practice environment, but there are positives to it. The positives are, uh, if you've got new players like we do, a couple of them, uh, that look like they're going to be in the rotation that now they've got a lot of time to improve before they have to play. Um, and so that's been very beneficial. I, um, uh, I will have as long with my staff, a, a much better idea of how the lineup should look when we actually play for real for the first time. We won't have to experiment as much. Um, so there are positives to it, but like Ben said, you know, it's been now a, almost a year since we played for real and, um, and that's difficult. Um, we played in the NCAA tournament in December and here we are uh, almost 10 months later, um, trying to find ways at this point to uh, manage the fall and figure out uh, how hard should we be pushing right now? Should we back off a little bit? So a little bit of experimentation going with our training, but I will tell you, I, um, from that competitive standpoint, I am uh, really looking forward to getting out on a court with this team. I, I've been blown away. Rarely am I pleasantly surprised but I'm blown away with what I'm seeing. This is a, an elite group and could, if they train hard, could become one of the better teams we've ever had. So I'm looking forward to that opportunity whenever it comes. And, uh, you know, you, you talked about how you were rarely surprised, and I, and I know that firsthand, uh, especially after seeing some great games, great matches, great players and coming uh you know coming off the court once in a while you'll be like uh, i don't know they could have been better so i, I do mm -hmm. know how how that that is and i want to go ahead and piggyback off that and we'll go ahead and start with you ben because uh you coached uh with with uh with mike for for quite a few years and you learned a lot from him but you also coached some of uh the best players to go through that program with mike and uh some of those players are from el paso texas and i'm gonna go ahead and bring up a, a few names and if you can just maybe talk about them a little bit and uh, uh, the first one that comes to my mind is that the one that I got to see play quite a bit was uh, Kim Ogu and uh, I believe she played for Hanks High School uh, back in OC as she was uh, an All-American for, for New Mexico State. Uh, talk about Kim Ogu a little bit out of uh, El Paso, Texas. Yeah, you know my connection to New Mexico State volleyball started at a young age in 1998 when I was actually playing on the the uh, the uh, collegiate team as as a practice player as a volunteer practice player that's Mike's first year when he had hair um, and then in in uh, the next year and the following year you know graduating and moving on I started coaching high school volleyball in the area and one of the first people in 2000 2001 that I noticed as a high school coach 
uh, in the area, in the borderland, was Kim Ogu. And I remember calling up Ash Hardy on the phone after we played Hanks High School in their gym. And I said, hey, Ash, dude, you guys got to come check out this Kim Ogu chick. She is a legitimate athlete and was a terrible volleyball player. Uh, had no idea what she was doing, but she was chest above the net hitting volleyballs. And with this paddle arm, you could just tell spectacularly that she was going to be a, a force if she allowed for herself to play volleyball. And Ash and Mike, and, and at the time, Debbie uh, reached out to Kim, got her on campus. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, Mike, she was destined to go run track at Georgia Tech as a sprinter. And she decided to, to give volleyball a shot and give it a go. And uh, she went to New Mexico State and, and had a, an indifferent first year learning how to play the game of volleyball. But at, shortly thereafter was one of the most physically talented and athletic people that I can ever remember donning a New Mexico State uniform and had a spectacular career. And she was a competitive, competitive human being uh, and turned into a complete stu- superstar uh, for some of the best teams that New Mexico State's ever fielded. Kimogu is my mom's favorite, all-time favorite volleyball player for for the New Mexico State Aggies. Still, still to this day, my mother talks about how quick she was, how hard she hit the ball, and how exciting of a player she was. So, uh, yeah, Kim Kimogu, one of the greatest out of El Paso, Texas. And then one more for you, Ben is, uh, and and I, I'm gonna butcher her name. I hope I don't. Adrienne Sierra, uh, also out of El Paso, Texas, a recent uh, player and a, a defensive specialist, libero. Uh, can you give some comments about her, Ben? Yeah, Adriana Sierra. She was the ball of fire, the 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 little the little uh, engine that could and could and could. She was she was a great player to coach at the end of her career. Uh, <laughs> early in her career, she played purely on instinct, and that was. What Mike and I loved about her, she came to a high school camp with Americas High School and was playing as an outside hitter on her high school team. And she was about 5'3", jumping up and walloping balls and competing and throwing these signs everywhere. And she was legitimately watching her was like watching a a WWF wrestler play volleyball. Uh, She had this fire in her. She had this competitive spirit. And she was a very instinctual volleyball player at the time. And so we took a chance on her and said, Hey, Adi, come, come walk on for us. And we're going to try to turn you into a libero. And she said, okay, well, what does that mean? And we said, well, just come and learn and we'll teach you. And as soon as you, you know, settle in and you can learn some of the game of volleyball, we think you're going to be pretty special. And her freshman year, she was a hot mess. She, uh, she had a hard time staying on the floor because she just was struggling learning the game of volleyball and as she settled into her sophomore year, really grasping the concepts of team defense and playing, you know, within a system, she never looked back. She took the reins of the horde on and rode it for a, a spectacular career at New Mexico State. I still sometimes show her highlight video to recruits, even at UTEP, just to say, look, this is, this is where you can go if you have a desire to play, a passion to compete. And if you really want to learn how to pass, serve, receive, and defend at a high level, she she was a lot of fun to coach later in her career uh, when she started to really just understand it, to trust Mike and to trust us and Keith and, and myself. And, and she was she was never lacking for a competitive spirit in the practice gym. She was one of the best practice players we've ever had. She and Kaylee Neal ran the show in practice at how, how hard they competed every day. I don't know that there was ever a day 
we had to, to, to ask Adi to play hard in practice, and that translated to the floor, and she had a wonderful, exciting, fun career to watch. I'm glad I got to be a part of it for four years. Thank you for that, Ben. And that goes again once uh, it shows once again uh, the kind of athletes that are here in El Paso, Texas, and in the area. Not only in football, college uh, for football, but also uh, in volleyball, baseball, and etc. Uh, Mike, I want to go a different uh, route with you, going down uh, memory lane a little bit. Uh, I was, you know, looking back and and thinking about some of the favorite matches that I was able to uh, attend with you on the road. Uh, two of them that really stuck out to me uh, was. Uh, when we went to Nebraska and we took on number one Nebraska in their little arena, volleyball arena specific for volleyball, I'll never forget yeah. how loud it was in there against the number one team in the nation to where uh, I was doing radio with uh, Kyle the Dope Man, uh, Doperowski, and uh, you know we had to have our headsets on the whole time just to hear each other. Um, do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, it was a great, uh, it was a great environment, obviously, like you mentioned, um, they do, uh, they do a wonderful job of supporting their program. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, those types of environments. I think your players learn a lot in those environments. Um, I was really happy with that tournament. We had, uh, we had committed to go to San Diego to a tournament and John Cook the Nebraska head coach called me and said, Mike, you know, we would love for you to come. We know you've got a really good team. Uh, we're going to do like a semifinal final format uh, in this tournament. Louisville is coming. They'll be your opponent. And if you, you beat them, you'll play us. Um, and I forgot who uh, Nebraska was playing, but it was also a good team. And so we go to Nebraska. Uh, we beat Louisville, who had a great, great team in five. Uh and Eddie, I don't know if you remember this, you were just talking about El Paso volleyball players, but Jordan Bostic was on that team. Yes. And, and Jordan was a, a libero defensive specialist. She was a DS on that team. And uh, late in the fifth set, we ran out of subs, and she went into the front row against Louisville uh, and actually took a couple of pretty good swings. She didn't get a kill, uh, and we won the match uh, with her in the front row. Um, 15, 13, or 16, 14, I think it was, and got an opportunity to play Nebraska. And so uh, a lot of fun, great environment. Nebraska, obviously, you know, they beat us that night, but uh, we, we conducted ourselves and played very well. Jordan Bostic, another El Paso uh, native, uh, just all around great person, Mike. And those are the kind of people that I know you recruited time after time. Uh, one other memory that I had that really stuck out uh, was when we went to Hawaii on, in October of 2008. And uh, they were number six at the time. And uh, we went in, uh, New Mexico State went in there and swept them. And Three is three zero, and I'll never ever forget the arena after the match. Was just it, it was it was about sold out. Eight thousand people were in there to watch a, vol a women's volleyball match. Loud, 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 rocking, and then we, New Mexico State sweeps them, stuns the crowd, and I sat there in amazement of the stunned crowd after the match. And then we had to get the red eye out and it was so fun trying to get the press release out and getting the media calls throughout the night. And in the morning when we got to Phoenix, talk about that experience. That was just a wonderful experience for me, Mike. Thank you again. And talk about it on your side, in your side of it. 
Yeah, it was uh, certainly one of my uh, my proudest moments as the coach to go there in that environment and win is something not too many teams have done. Um, and it had been building. You know, we we joined the WAC in 05. Uh, we lost. We had a very good team then. We lost to Hawaii both times that year in five. Um, in 06, we beat Hawaii for the first time and ended their I don't know, 100-match winning streak or whatever it was in the conference. But we did it at home. And, uh, and I think – Yeah, let's decide to take another – to take another step forward, you got to go beat a nationally ranked team on their home floor. Uh, what an opportunity it was. I think they were ranked sixth. Um, yes, they were ranked number six. Yeah. And so, you know, to go there – and we knew we had a, a great shot at winning – And believe me, Hawaii knew it too. Uh, they knew we were good. It was it was not a surprise. I think if you're probably if you're a longtime Rainbow Wahine fan, you know when when you lose at home, you're a little bit shocked. Um, you know, a lot of those people may not have thought we had a chance to win, but uh, we certainly did, and and we played well enough to win. I, you know, there's this sometimes there's this saying, these myths that. Oh, they had to play great to beat us, and we didn't play very well. Well, that's not the truth. We played great defensively. We weren't very good offensively. Uh, Hawaii did what they've always done, and we forced them into a lot of mistakes. We took away what they were good at and uh, and beat them. And it was a lot of fun, obviously. And, of course, they've got the, you know, the majority of the wins against us. Uh, they've got a great program. Uh, their 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 fans are first class. The aunties right behind the baseline over there. Every time I miss them, you know, when we would go there, they uh, always made a point to wave me over and and uh, give me the lays and and a smooch on the cheek. And so I I appreciate that culture. I, I appreciate how um, excited they are about volleyball. And again, you know, one of those experiences in my time that you just you look back on fondly, win or lose. Uh, certainly winning <laughs> a little more fondly, but uh, what an experience it's been. Oh, yeah, it was a great experience. Uh, Ace, you have a question? Uh, yeah, so this is for both of you guys. Um, obviously, it's a it's a challenge for these young athletes with, with, with all that's going on, and especially you guys. How have you guys been able to mentally, I guess, keep them positive? Because I understand the, the training aspects, you know, and how much you practice and all that, but mentally – you know, what you guys been telling them? Because, I mean, it's tough. I mean, it's tough for us adults. I can just imagine these young athletes that are thinking they're going to play, and then now it's like, what's going on? You know, but what have you guys been doing to, like, keep them, I guess, mentally positive? Go ahead, Ben. You know, uh, it's, been a, it's been a challenge. It's maybe the hardest challenge, Ace. It's uh, especially when they weren't on campus with us, it was really stressful for us as a staff to give them support. Now that they're back on campus, we have a wonderful, um, you know, uh, not only training uh, connection to our to our uh, medical staff that, that can reach out and get and gather options for them to talk to counselors or to get them help when it comes to the mental health side of things. But more so, like Mike said, we're trying to find a better balance for them in the daily grind of dealing with this to add a little fun to our practices. Uh, I went out and got a dot, got or I got a kickball. I went and got a baseball, wiffle ball bat, and a frisbee. And you know, we're trying to add a little bit more fun into our practices right now because it is such a a developmental like 
challenge and grind to the flow of volleyball right now. This is unprecedented, and it may never happen again for what's going on in the fall. And so it's very diff- difficult and different for us to plan for things right now, not knowing the, the what's coming. And so it's a challenge. It's probably the biggest challenge that we face is to make sure that our players mentally and psychologically are okay. And it is not perfect. There are days I had a player in practice yesterday just – walk off the floor in the middle of practice because she was just struggling so much in school with she turned in some assignments to the wrong email and to the wrong part of her her uh her assignment board for school and so she had had a she had a zero in a class and then she sprained her ankle in practice and just just melted down in the middle of practice yesterday because it's been so hard on her mentally to be not in a classroom and it's just been a grind. And, and, you know, I called her last night, and we caught up, and she's fine now. But it's just a struggle psychologically and mentally to deal with all these things and not be able to see people in classes and go to a class. I don't know what New Mexico State's like, Mike, but we have over 75% of our players have complete online classes. So there's only 25% of our players that are actually sitting in a classroom with other human beings next to them. And very few of our freshmen have an in-class class. Almost all of our freshmen have come to college 18 years old, and they are on online classes in their dorm room or in our gym or in our, our facilities. And it's just hard, man. It's the most difficult part of this is dealing with their mental health and helping them through it psychologically. And it's just been a big challenge. But we're tackling it. And, it, and really, honestly, it's a day-by-day grind. There is nothing about it that, that is normal and that is uh, a weekly or a monthly thing that you can tackle. It's day-by-day. Yeah, I, I would echo a lot of that. I think my biggest concern is our freshmen. Um, we have a lot of them from a long ways away. And, you know, homesickness is always uh, an issue. Uh, well, not always an issue, but for some it is. And uh, in an environment like this where you're not going to class and not meeting new people when, you know, there's no on-campus socializing going on, you know, there's no there's no football games. There's There's really not anything to look forward to you're pretty much in your dorm room and then you're coming to the gym or you're going to the weight room. Um, it, it's not a normal uh, existence. It's, it's held them back from, you know, the, the college environment. It's, it's not as much fun for them, I'm sure. Um, and you know, it makes it a little bit easier to get even a little bit more homesick. So I'm trying to chat with the freshmen a lot. Um, just kind of keep them motivated. We're doing some things putting some things together for them that they can do as a group um, that maybe they haven't tried before. Uh, I think a little bit of this is, is on them too. You know, you've got to get experiment and try and find new hobbies and ways to entertain yourself. And uh, so far so good. And, you know, the upperclassmen, they're fine. They're uh, they've got their established lives here. And, and um, I think they're doing pretty well. Awesome. 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 One more question for each of you. Um, first, Ben, um, and, and Mike, your question will be different. But, Ben, you've uh, coached at all levels, uh, basically, from the club to the high school uh, to assistant in, in um, college and now head coaching in college. How? What kind of advice and how important is it to do that for anybody who might want to become a, a volleyball coach? You know, it's a great question, Eddie, and I appreciate you asking it because I think that was the whole purpose behind the path that I took um, in, in becoming a head coach. I've always known that I wanted to be a head coach once I started working in this um, in this profession under Mike, and, and I had an opportunity to leave 
New Mexico State and go elsewhere and work in club and high school and also collegiately in, a, in another program. And I just learned at an early age that, that the way that Mike approaches the sport uh, and the way he teaches the sport is, is uh, synonymous with the way I think about it. And it, it helps me, um, you know, it, felt, it helped me feel real comfortable about moving forward as a head coach. But I always want to ask one of my assistants or one of my managers or one of my volunteer coaches to do it that I had done it myself. It was really important for me to know that I've swept the floor, that I've run the camps, that I've taken out the trash. I mean, Mike and I, my last year in New Mexico State at the end of camps, we're, we're wrapping up trash cans and, and taking trash out to the dumpster, you know, and you don't see many head coaches doing that uh, ever. And so it was important for me to, as a high school club, JV coach, as a, as a volunteer coach for Mike, uh, for for me as an assistant, as an associate head coach, to do all of the things that are incorporated in running a volleyball program. And that helped me feel very comfortable taking this step towards um, running a program in El Paso and taking a losing program in UTEP and pushing them in, in, in the direction where we're now competing with the top teams in our conference to win and, and, and compete consistently every year in Conference USA. Awesome. Thank you for sharing those thoughts. Uh, Mike, uh, I know that uh, you had mentioned that it was a little easier for you to coach when you were, um, I guess, uh, not married and didn't have a, a child. And now you have a, 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 a beast of a child uh, who I love so much, and he's so awesome, uh, little Luke. Uh, but talk about how important it is to, to surround yourself with people like Ben Uh, so that you can have some family time and then vice versa because I know Ben also has two young boys and uh, all three of you guys' boys are, are, are baseball players and I know that plays into you guys' lives as well. So how important is it uh, to, to do that? Well, I'll tell you, you know, when I was a young new head coach, I, I had a hard time trusting others um i i was very nervous and and i i believed in my knowledge and i and my my uh my character and i thought you know we could certainly make new mexico state better but it was hard as a head coach to to delegate responsibility you and i know ben is feeling this now we've had this conversation you feel like you have to do everything and be responsible for everything. And, you know, you mentioned it when I was single, I had all this time, like volleyball, being the head coach at NMSU was my, almost my entire life. And so uh, I had time to think about it. I had time to plan. I had time to do all these things and do them the way I felt they needed to do. Um, they needed to be done. And so uh, that was a, a really important part of my life that, Uh, I was able to go through that and had the time and energy uh, to do it. As I've gotten older and now, you know, uh, married for a decade and, and uh, with this kid of mine and uh, you don't have as much energy, but you also have a better idea of what's really important um, and what you can assign to others, what can wait. Uh, how to prioritize. I didn't have a very good idea how to do that when I was young. Um, I wanted to do everything and do it as well as I could. And you just don't have that kind of time. Um, and so, you know, now, uh, the last decade, you know, when you get people like Ben who have so much energy and enthusiasm, 
you know, it helps lift you back up. Uh, certainly Ben had been around long enough, you know, and we had a good enough relationship where I knew I could trust him to do a lot more and he wanted to do a lot more. And so there you go, bro, you know, throw, throw yourself <laughs> into it and have at it, you know, and there were some things we chatted about that, um, you know, we wanted to make sure they, they went a certain way, but a lot of it, you just got to let go. And I'm very thankful to have had the assistance I've had, the people around me, not just the assistant coaches, but people like yourself, Eddie, and our support staff and personnel who do such a great job. You trust them to do their job. They do a great job 99% of the time. And, uh, and then you can step away a little bit and go enjoy your life and be there when your kid needs you or your wife needs you. And those things are, are very important. I, I would not be a very happy person uh, as a as a married father right now if I were still coaching the way I was coaching 15 years ago uh, just so immersed in it I think that's where uh, coaches go crazy and and they drink too much and and they burn out and so um, I'm grateful that you know on the downside of my time here that uh, I've had the people work for me that I have I trust them and they've done a great job and and I can I can live both lives and do them well. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you guys once again. Uh, if you guys can go ahead and let us know where to find more information on each of your teams, uh, website, Twitter, whatever it is that you guys may, might be doing. Ben, where can we find out more information about the UTEP minor volleyball team? You know, we're traveling to North Texas on the 2nd of October, which is a Friday. We play on the 3rd and the 4th. We play in North Texas and Stephen F. Austin, who are both top 100 programs and both going to really challenge our group. And we turn around on Sunday and play North Texas again, sort of in a more of a scrimmage environment that morning. And we come back home, and then we're going to host uh, Angelo State, a Division II program, on the 10th of October in Memorial Gym. And I don't think that we're going to have fans allowed yet uh, because of the COVID regulations, but we're going to stream it online. And so you can find that stuff on our our webpage, our Facebook page for volleyball. Uh, Vinny Labaldsidi is our SID there, and he does a great job of connecting media um, to uh, to our program and through Instagram and through uh, Twitter and all the above. But uh, yeah, we look we look forward to getting our fans back out. We've had a, we've had hundreds of people reach out and say, "Hey, when when can we watch UTEP volleyball Memorial?" And it's coming soon. Uh, I think our conference maybe this week, and I know Mike's just probably doing the same thing or starting to make decisions on what the spring is going to look like. Um, we're trying to figure out from you know, John Newman up at UNM to Mike at, at New Mexico State and Las Cruces, where we can get this I-10 rivalry back moving in the spring, what it's going to look like, how we can host it, where, what we're going to be allowed to do. But um, we're looking forward to getting volleyball going again, my man. And, and uh, we appreciate you guys uh, uh, blasting out our, our information as well. And uh, your website is utepminers.com, correct? Yes, yes, sir. That's correct. Awesome. Mike, where can we get all the information about the New Mexico State Aggie volleyball team? nmstatesports.com, Eddie. Um, uh, hopefully, like Ben said, I think we'll be playing January 22nd is kind of what I'm hearing right now. So we're about, what, four months away, I guess. Um, uh, but uh, keep an eye out for a schedule. We'll get something out probably here in the next month, six weeks, hopefully. And uh, like I said, it's going to be a heck of a team to watch. So nmstatesports.com for all your info. And uh, hopefully our governor will – allow butts in the seats and we'll have our our crazy fans in there 
Again, thank you guys so much, and I really appreciate all that you guys have done for me in my career, in my life, and it's been such a, a wonderful time over all these years. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you, Eddie. Welcome back to the Sports and More podcast with Eddie Morelos and producer Ace Acosta. Ace, we just got done with two uh, volleyball coaches uh, out of the college ranks, uh, Coach Mike Jordan from New Mexico State and Coach Ben Wallace from UTEP. Uh, what did you think about that? Oh, it was, it was perfect. Uh, you know, it's such, you know, troubling stuff that they have to deal with, but it seems they're making headway, making sure these players are, you know, staying positive and doing the best they can. And I don't know if I if I really mentioned it, but uh, I worked for uh, Coach Jordan and uh, the New Mexico State volleyball team uh, for about 10 years. And uh, I got to see a lot of great volleyball, as I mentioned. I got to see them play uh, number one, Nebraska. I also got to see them defeat and sweep, uh, at the time, number six, uh, Hawaii, there in Honolulu. And that was just amazing. Uh, but... Uh, I also got to see a lot of great players, and uh, this was in particular for any volleyball fans, uh, New Mexico State volleyball fans. I wanted to share uh, my all-time uh, New Mexico State volleyball team. Do you mind, Ace? All-time. All-time. All well, all-time for me during my time, I guess I should say, because these are all the the, the players that I've seen. Uh, so, for example, at the center position, uh, top two setters that I saw play, uh, Jackie Choi and Jenna DeVries. Uh, and the outside hitter position, I would go with Lindsey Yawn and Gwen Murphy. Uh, and the middle hitters, I would go with Kim, Ogu, Kim Ogu, uh, uh the El Paso local that we talked about, and Megan Hart. And then uh, for the defensive specialist slash liberos, uh, I would go with a couple of locals, uh, the Sierra girl, Adriana Sierra from uh, El Paso, Texas, and then uh, All-American uh, Crystal Torres, who is from Las Cruces, New Mexico. So that's my all-time Aggie team for volleyball. Uh, hopefully, uh, Coach Jordan uh, may agree or disagree with it, but I'll ask him whenever he listens. So uh, thank you, Coach Jordan and Coach Wallace. We really appreciate you coming on. Uh, again, this is episode number three of the Sports & More podcast. You can uh, find us on Twitter. Uh, Andy? What's our Twitter handle? It is a Sports and More Pod. Sports and More Pod. We are also on Facebook. If you just uh, search Sports and More Podcast, uh, you'll find our links to our previous podcasts on there, and as well as some other articles uh, with different uh, sporting events and other events that might be going on. Uh, Andy, uh, any thoughts that that you have uh, before we close? I'm really looking forward to getting back to you know some more college sports. You know. The volleyball girls, you know, they bust their butts and they work hard. And, you know, us as a uh, media, we got to put some more, you know, you know, coverage out there because, I mean, they're working hard. They're doing good. And I know it's a football driven states, but, you know, these athletes deserve to get some some more coverage and, and we'll, we'll do that. Definitely, and that's uh, another reason why we're doing this podcast. We can make sure we talk about uh, everything uh, in and around sports and entertainment. Uh, we want to hear from our, our listeners, and you can uh, tweet us again at Sports and More Pod, Sports and More Pod. Uh, send us a direct message. Shoot us a tweet. Uh, we don't, you know, anything that you think of. Uh, hey, Eddie and Andy, can you talk about you know such and such, or can you bring on this guest? Uh, we'll take suggestions. We'll take questions. Maybe you have a question about uh, things going. 
on in downtown El Paso, shoot us a message either on Twitter or, like I said, on Facebook uh, by by searching Sports and More Podcast, and uh, you can uh, we'll definitely answer those questions and and try to bring on any guests that you might suggest. So again, uh, thank you for listening uh, to episode number three. Uh, we really appreciate your your, uh, your your support, and we'll be here again next week. Thank you.